that night I was put into another cell with the Lebanese guys. I was aligned the top bunk. I lay there wide awake. He didn't say much, but about 15 minutes later he got up and then he squatted over the toilet like he was about to take a dump, but started pulling something out of his backside. It was a strange sight at first. I thought he might be a poof. I couldn't help myself. I had to know, what are you doing, mate? Are you waiting to see her, he says in, in the wog accent. I shrugged and was about to roll over. But before I turned, it pulled out a plastic pill bottle out of his ass. I watched him clean the bottle under the tap in the single wash basin, unscrew the top and take out a syringe which had been cut in half. Want some? Yeah. What is it? Edwin. Okay, I'll have some of that. My cellmate had just pulled an ounce of pure heroin out of his friggin' ass. And then I said, friggin' hell, to bear shit in the woods, of course I'll have some. My cellmate injected himself, then drew up a shot for me. I injected it into my vein, into my left arm, and straight away the rush zoomed through my body. This was mighty good heroin. We leaned back against the wall and went on the nod. I stayed in the holding cell with him for two weeks. Reckon he was the best cellmate I'd ever had. The jails were pretty much full down here in Victoria in 1983. Uh, so it took a while to get moved over there from Russell Street. By the time I arrived at Pentridge, uh, my heroin habit had grown into a, a somewhat little monster. When I first saw Pentridge Prison, I thought that it was a strange colour for a jail. It reminded me of the Blue Mountains in Sydney, that same shade of blue. I'd learnt their colour came from all the oil the gum trees admitted up there. The jail looked chilly and it wouldn't be long before I found out the place was as cold as an esky full of ice. It was late afternoon, then I was processed pretty much the same way at Long Bay and every other institution I'd been in. I was given a comb, toothpaste and a toothbrush. I was really surprised when the prisoners working in the clothing store at reception told me I could keep my clothes I was wearing. I had a, a Lecoq Sport if tracksuit, which Charles Spiro had given me years ago in the boys' home um, at Albion Street after the fight I had with him when he was driving trucks. Are there any clothes you want to leave here? Uh, one of the crims asked in the reception. Nah, mate, I haven't got many. I threw my Levi's and Corfu jeans, a blue tracksuit, and a few sloppy Joes which Linda had bought me before we all got pinched. Um, this was different to my previous experience in New South Wales. I was pretty despondent. I knew I was not doing well, just 18 and already sentenced to seven and a half years and a heroin habit, had a habit that needed constant feeding each day. I was processed along with 10 other new guys, then taken to a tiny dining area. We walked along the line to be served bangers and mash, peas and gravy by inmates, waiters attired in black and white kitchen outfits. I approached the table with a bit of room. Anyone sitting here? 
I spoke into the silence. A tall fat bloke shook his head while shoveling in a mash and, and half a sausage like there was no tomorrow. Grub's good, eh? I said, but he just growled. He's eaten it so fast. It looked like he would have ripped my head off if I thought I was going to get between him and his food. So I just sat, taking it in, as I always do. After 30 minutes, when most of us had finished eating, a voice from the doorway called out, You all finished, boys? The screw was waiting for us, looking at his watch. Come on, let's go, let's go. We've got to get you into the dormitories. I scaled my, my last mouthful of tea from the plastic cup. Chairs screeched as prisoners arose from their tables. Burts and farts erupted, followed by laughter from other new blokes on the block. That's disgusting, said my inner voice, farting and burping like bloody Vikings. Someone should have hit these blokes on the chin in the Sydney correctional system. Where was their respect? I later discovered that not all crims acted this way in the Victorian prison system. Hey, boss, can I take my bread roll with me? Yeah, he said. I was the last to leave the dining area with my glad wrap roll. I'd taken it in case I got hungry in the middle of the night. I hadn't really started to withdraw yet from using the heroin in Russell Street, but it would come. The screw opened a big steel door opposite the mess hall. It seemed to be a dormitory. What's this? No response. What's this, boss? I questioned again. It's a dormitory. A dormitory? I thought this was a jail, not a boy's home. I lived in a boy's home in Sydney in dorms like this. This is no boy's home, mate, he said. Eh, I can see that. The other blokes entered before me. The first thing that stuck me, struck me was all the eyes on us and the wolf whistles, like we were some kind of prey being measured up by, um, you know, a, a feed of lions for a potential feed. I limped in. This is your bed, Kent. The boss said, referring to his notes to make sure I'm a name and a number. Prisoner Kent, you're 2244. I shrugged, as if I couldn't care. I suppose, I said. If you have any trouble in here, he said, pointing to an emergency button on the wall near my bed, push the red button over there. I could see the button had been well used. Originally, it would have been red all over, but the paint had worn off the top. So now it was a dull grey. It must have been pushed a lot of times for to have it happen like that. I'll be right, I said. The dormitory was massive. On each side, lines of double bunks stretched so far. Many guys were sitting on their beds talking, drinking coffee or tea and walking around, no shirts on. Some were doing push-ups and chin-ups with mop handles placed between the top of their Two sets of bunks. There was about 10 big windows of massive rusty bars. Perspex covered the inside of the bars, supposedly to keep the cold weather out of the building. Wasn't doing a good job at that. At both ends of the dormitory, big TVs were mounted high on the walls. And at the far end of the dormitory, about 20 blokes watching the program, seated in cream-coloured plastic chairs at the end closest to my bunk. Only a couple of men were watching the TV. What's your name? I said to my new 
bunkmate below. Lockie. Yeah, well, mine's Dean, mate. And we shook hands. He was a short, bald bloke covered in tattoos. He reminded me of Angry Anderson. So which bunk do you want? I'm scared of white, she said. You take the penthouse. Geez, thanks, Tiger. I looked around. Do we get sheets and blankets? Yeah, they'll bring us some. You've been here before, I said. Yeah, a few years ago. What for? I was at a Midnight Oil concert. They were playing in town, and I gave a bloke a kicking at my local for grabbing me Sheila on the ass. Don't underestimate these blokes in here, Dean. They're very fucking willing. I did 12 months for that assault and saw some terrible bashings in this joint. Don't eyeball anyone, he advised. He kind of whispered these words to me. I'll be right, mate. Just like Jack used to say. At the moment, the guy from the clothing store pushed a trolley through the steel doors. He's handed out sheets, blankets and pillows, cases all nicely clean. Here you go, the trolley man said when he drew level with our bunks. Thanks, mate, I replied. I'm not your mate. I should fucking knock him out for that, I thought. I felt weak for not punching him in the face right there and then. Lockie winked. Nice bloke, eh? 